Welcome back. This is Dr. Jim Schrader, and we are back with our 27th edition of Living a Whole Christian Life. So I'm really excited here as we've gone from the foundation and the framework to really get into the rooms of our Christian home and the rooms of what it means to really live a whole Christian life. And so our first part here is going to focus on activity and movement and exercise, whatever you want to call it. Growing up, as I was fortunate to be raised in a family that valued movement and exercise, I was reflecting the other day about my earliest memories of this. And I think about, you know, my mom to this day has always been a walker. Um, She walked a lot growing up. She continues to walk with her friends. It's not just something to be active or to be social, um, but it's something more, I think, that she just enjoys the natural world. I remember as a young kid, my dad kind of jogging, and he had a couple of friends that he jogged with, although it got less and less as it went on. And my, you know, my siblings and I were involved in a lot of sports and different things through school as we grew up through grade school and high school. But what I knew growing up is that exercise was important for our physical health. But it wasn't until even after college, even actually after graduate school, that I really began to get into the science and experience to understand how important regular movement is, not just for our physical health, but for our psychological, social, and even spiritual health or spirituality. More to come on that next week as we talk about the benefits, um, even later about the obstacles to exercise. I've reflected before in this podcast, and I want to kind of go back to this, that for all the early uh, exposure, the idea that exercise was a value, and I was fortunate that it was a value in our home, unlike a lot of you may be listening. As I grew older and I got busier with graduate school, I recognized that I had changed and shifted my habits. And so I talked about this before, that by the time I was on internship, If the weather wasn't nice outside and I didn't have a chance to bike on the weekends, there were periods of up to four to six months where I really wasn't doing a lot of exercise. By the time I left my internship and Amy and I bought our first house and we were back and she had gotten pregnant with our twins, at that point, you know, I mentioned that my blood pressure was going up, my weight was really going up. I started to see the signs that I wasn't as healthy as I thought I wanted to be, or as I thought I was myself. And so that led to a half marathon that actually completed about a month and a half before the twins were born. Gradually, what happened from that point forward is that things started to open up kind of unexpectedly. I I did my first triathlon, although as I talked about into the book, Into the Rising Sun, it was not a positive experience. I had biked for a couple of years and Amy and I decided to do a triathlon as we were kind of inspired by a couple of friends. And let's just say that I... (laughs) I envisioned something a whole lot more enjoyable. And as we took off around the same time, I eventually lost her that day, only to find her waving me at the finish line after having been done about 20 minutes earlier. You know, at that point, I kind of vowed to put everything back up except for the bike and to go forward. But as things evolved and we moved and things started to grow, I came back home and I met a few people. And actually, one of the one of the people that I met, Mount, um, had just completed an Ironman a year before. It was actually, I think, his second Ironman. And I met him through his wife at work. And how often things happen, you know, you start to get ideas in your mind. And so I started doing more of the shorter triathlons and getting involved in some running events. And ultimately ended up the Ironman in Louisville in 2011. And that was something that I've always said to people before that, you know, when I watched the Ironman in Kona, which is the world championships, and it's a 2.4 mile swim, and a 112-mile bike, and a marathon 26.1 miles at the end before midnight, I always thought that those people were just different people than I. You know, that those were people kind of made completely differently, had a different pedigree. And it wasn't until I really felt called and I was inspired and, and mentored by Mount and others 
that I recognize that those people aren't different people, that each of them has kind of a calling or a particular reason that they go about it, but they are very much the same as you and I. And so I was blessed to continue on. And like I said, through triathlons, ended up completing that Ironman in 2011 in Louisville. That was quite an experience. But then, you know, as things continued to evolve, and this is where I really felt God was calling me in a strange way, in a way that I was really even more reluctant to go than the triathlons and everything else. And that was into the world of ultra marathons. And by definition, an ultra marathon is any distance longer than a conventional marathon, any distance longer than 26.1 miles or 26.2 miles. And you're, you know, the shortest ultra marathons might be 50 kilometers, around 31 miles. Sometimes the longest might even be a couple hundred or more miles, depending on what they are. So here I am, a guy that grew up, you know, I grew up playing sports like football and basketball, but I weighed 190 plus pounds um, as we're talking here about this particular time. But I met a friend, Nick, through my brother, and he had run his first 100 mile race. And I read a, read a book called Born to Run by Christopher McDougall. And all this was kind of coming together for me. And you know, the endurance world, if you looked at me and understood kind of what I did previously, it was really the last place I expected myself to be. But one of the things I said last time when we were getting into this idea of movement was that very often, you know, we think about movement just being as, well, exercise is burning calories so I can stay healthy, right? Or maybe it's strengthening muscles or your cardiac system. And, it, you know, for all that is true. But as I was pulled deeper and deeper into this, these experiences, these things I had never conceived, never thought that I would ever be involved with, I was recognizing that there was so much more to exercise or movement than typical calorie burned or the typical, you know, muscle strengthened or whatever. And as I got more into this world, I also felt that four things were happening to me that became so key in my life. The first was that even as life continued to get more and more challenging, we had a period of where we had six kids in seven and a half years. And that was definitely, as I described, a very dense and intense period, all the way upwards to our eight kids now. Even as life got busier and busier, I started to sense that my stress level was becoming more manageable. It wasn't that I didn't feel stressed at times, or there were sometimes I didn't still have those old physical symptoms that reemerge. But gradually, as I really got into the world of movement and activity, I felt that that stress level was not only more manageable, but it was decreasing. And it was a direct relationship to the fitness that I was experiencing. It was something that was really great because there were so many different things I was being called and asked to do. The second thing I started to realize is I started to see the limitations I perceived in myself eroding. And I started to see my capacity growing in many areas that I was called to do that had nothing to do with physical movement. I think this is one of the beautiful things about moving physically is that we think about what it does for our physical selves, but there are so many times we set limitations that we need particular challenges in our lives to kind of erode those limitations. And again, much of the way that my capacity was growing had nothing to do with physical movement, but many other aspects of my life. The third change as I got deeper and deeper into this area of fitness was that my productivity and clarity of mind I really felt like it skyrocketed. I felt like I was doing so much more with the time that I had, even though it appeared that I had much less time by objective standards. Again, I don't want to say that I wasn't, you know, there's times like everybody else that I was wasting time or was distracted or whatever. I just, you know, and there's times we all need to relax actually for our own health and well-being. But the time that I did have, I felt an increased sense of clarity, an increased sense of productivity that I hadn't experienced before. And it was as if this 
this increased movement was clearing out somewhat of the cobwebs in my mind and allowing me to really, really hone in on what I needed to do. And the fourth thing, and this was most importantly, it's something that I just had never really expected from exercise, was that my relationship with God was growing. And I felt a closeness and intimacy with him that I had never felt before. And even though sometimes the training could be really difficult, there were so many times increasingly that I loved this alone time with him, that I, I craved this time. Even when I wasn't training, I felt myself in, that, in my relationship with him growing in very simple ways, um, in ways that you know I previously just had not been aware of. And so, so much of this, so much of this time spent with him, so much of this time spent alone in meditation was increasing that relationship. And I love that. And I love that. And it's, it's something that I continue to this day that I so appreciate about the movement in general. And so all of this, as I mentioned, getting into the ultra marathon scene led me to my first ultra marathon in the spring of 2013. And it was a 50 mile trail run in Grand Rivers, Kentucky at land between the lakes. And it was one of those experiences that when I stepped off that starting line, you just, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Um, and in fact, within a couple miles, I started to notice things in my body that worried me because I hear I thought I've got 50 miles ahead. But by the grace of God, amazingly, after eight hours and roughly 50 minutes, I crossed that finish line, amazed that God had seen me through this journey that I would have thought just a couple of years ago was absolutely impossible and probably insane. And so as I finished that race and I thought about it over the next few weeks, something actually began to seep into me. And again, you might think that it sounds crazy, but I just was hearing so much. I was hearing God calling me to challenges that really this was a mechanism to much other things, but this was a mechanism. And I was being called to consider after that 50-mile race to come back to attempt a 100-mile race. And so that fall, I actually began training for the 100-mile run at Chano Lakes State Park in northern Indiana. And the following one I'm going to read to you is a reflection from a week and a half before the race as it came to me really raw one day. I stepped outside. It was a perfectly chilly morning. The previous evening, we had attended the Chrism Mass at the cathedral where all the ceremonial oils of the Catholic Church were consecrated for the coming year. Easter was almost upon us. As my first few steps turned into a jog, much was on my mind. My attempted 100-mile run was a week and a half away. My thoughts instantly sprang to the previous October when I set out on the first of these Wednesday 10-mile runs. The half marathon had just passed, and I was in a period of discernment. For the first time in my athletic life, I had professed that if this race was going to happen, I would leave it entirely up to God. At any point, if mandated by injury or family situations or another reason, I had vowed that I would be willing to bow out. I would appreciate what was given, but I would know that it was time to take a different course. So each Wednesday that I stepped out onto that empty road for that 10-mile run, I wasn't sure if I was coming back. And just two weeks into this particular run, I had felt my calf painfully give a mile from my work after protecting a previous foot injury. I contemplated walking, but something said to run at any pace that would get me there. So I did. By the next Wednesday, I was back and so grateful to be. Then the winter came, the harshest we had experienced in decades. Temperatures repeatedly plummeted into the single digits. Ice and snow arrived, only to refreeze and not leave. Many Wednesday mornings started with a simple thought, I really don't have to do this. But deep down, as long as God had kept his promise, I knew I had to keep mine. 
And so the dark, cold, unforgiving winter became a breeding ground for my soul. I went on until the temperature started to break, and spring finally found its way. I learned how to run to my Lord and all the world could bring. But this morning, over six months and 27 straight midweek morning runs later, I knew that it would be one of a celebration and one of thanks. Less than a quarter of a mile from home, I suddenly heard a commotion. A deer scrambled across the road in front of me. Always my companions on my long weekend runs, they had reminded me of a divine presence when no one else was around. I made my way down the hill across Pigeon Creek, a main tributary of the mighty Ohio River, onto the levee into the Greenway Trail for the next two miles. The full moon hung brightly in the western sky. And in the distance, I could see them. For five months, I had run this trail in the dark, early morning hours, and never seen anyone else except for them. As I passed by the older man and his three-legged dog for the last time, I stopped briefly and said hello, and then had asked what had happened to his Trinitarian friend. The leg had been lost in an accident, and then he had adopted him, an act of love for sure. With that, I was on my way. I headed downtown toward that mighty river, the wind freshened in my face, providing just enough resistance to remind me of all the times it had aided my course. As I hopped on the riverfront walkway, the swollen body of water eased by. The full moon dropped in the sky, and I turned east toward the blazing sun. A new day, a new chapter had begun. I kept thinking about all the previous times I had found this particular path, wondering if I would come back. I wondered if I was the same man that had started this the past October. I wondered what God had in store. As I pulled away from the river and gazed down its timeless course for the last time, I found myself in many different places. In a moment, I was in the delivery room in December when Louis Francis, our sixth child, was born. I was on the icy streets in early January. The wind was battering me in late March. In moments, time was eternal, and I, in each of these moments, found myself in many places, in many times that had come to be. The person I was before, the person I would become, was the person that I was now, if even for these moments. And although, as always, I desired for the run to be done, my presence in His presence left me with no other option but to savor the moment upon. Bayard Park passed by, and as I crossed Highway 41, I continued to touch the signs and the rails and the benches along the way. I guess I wanted to feel the sights that I had seen as I let them go for some time. I approached the last two miles. I felt a slight twinge in my calf. I smiled. I had come a long way enough to know that it would be fine, but the memory of that very early run resurfaced. As I turned left back toward St. Mary's and the last few hundred yards came into view, I closed my eyes in prayerful motion and briefly pushed my fear away, only to redo it again and again. I reached the end as my thanks flooded onto the street. I pointed skyward and walked toward my familiar stretching tree. The holy rosary bells told seven times in the background as so often before. I had kept the Sabbath. I had kept the covenant. As always, he had kept his. I knew that darkness would once again settle in during the following week, but for now, peace reigned. I walked up the stairs and reached into my pocket for my keys. I smiled again. For on every run, I had put a dollar with my keys so that when the work ended, I would have money to catch the bus home. 
In my mind, though, there had always been a secondary reason for keeping this money in tow. I figured that if my run went awry, I could at least struggle to a bus stop and arrive at work in this manner. But on this morning, unlike all the rest, I had forgotten the bill, and I heard a voice say, you never needed it in the first place because I had been with you all along the way. A week and a half later, I made the difficult decision at the race to end at mile 67. But the reality was that the prize had already been won. And the prize really was the experience, the timelessness of being with God, of being with God in those times when I depended on him so completely for warmth, so completely for company, so completely for understanding. And this is what, you know, I I really think is so critical today for us to consider as, as we enter into this activity, as we talk about this idea of movement and exercise. We can talk about how it improves our physical selves. We can talk about how it improves even socially, again, and psychologically, and we'll, we'll talk more next week. But at the end of the day, what I think it most improves is our awareness of the blessings and the gratitude, the awareness of what we have around us, of such simple things, but the time spent itself, just the awareness of the time, of those moments eternal, you know, the, the times when things are difficult, the times when things are great are in and of themselves just real time. And that's what I want us to begin as we enter in this journey, the idea of activity is that it's easier to be very linear about this. It's easy to think very critically about how much time we should spend doing things and how it's helping us. But at the end of the day, the beauty of this is that whatever way you can move, and again, for those who can't, it doesn't matter whether you're running or walking or swimming or moving your fingers and toes or blinking your eyes, whatever ways that you can move. The gift of movement, as I said you know, last week, is that the gift of physical movement allows for an internal movement that I really think is prescribed in the world that God designs. And so this week, as we begin and enter into the world of movement as it pertains to living the whole Christian life, let's all challenge ourselves to consider how we can take this blessing and not see it as something optional, but to see it as something central as we move towards him. This is Jim Schrader. Be holy, be whole.